So last week, I'm sitting uh, on campus listening to someone give their testimony about how they've been freed from uh, slavery. And I get a text from Annie, my wife, that says, uh, when you go to the doctor, can you come home and help us? And I was like, okay. This is probably because Colin's been feeling sick, and so we finally got into the doctor. She doesn't want to go with all four kids because they had the day off from school. Um, and so I go with them. We get to the doctor's office. She fits us in. This doctor loves us, so she fits us in anytime she can. Um, and she gets in there, looks at Colin, and figures out what's going on and says, okay, let's check. check. He's having a little hard time breathing. That's not a big deal. Let's check his oxygen levels. She checks his oxygen levels. Face just goes serious and says, uh, let me check him again. Checks him again. I want to check him one more time. At this point, I'm a little freaking out a little bit. Going, what's going on? What does this mean? Checks it again and goes, do you want to go to the hospital by ambulance or are you going to drive him? And I go, excuse me? His oxygen levels are really low. He doesn't show it, but he needs to get to the hospital right now. So we rush him to the hospital. We get there. They uh, give him a breathing treatment. He feels better, but his oxygen levels still have not picked up. At this point, we're praying. <laughs> we're praying um, because they said it could be pneumonia and it came out of nowhere which means it's bad pneumonia comes on it, slowly it's not that bad but when it comes on bad it's close it could be death um, and we're like so we're getting all this this came out of nowhere we've got all four kids with us and we're just like what all we had was the love of God to tell us not to be afraid that's all that remained. That's all we had. You guys have tests this week. You have homework that's going to be due when you come back after spring break. You're thinking about spring break. You've got so much junk going on, whether it's car issues, money issues, all this stuff. What do you have to rest on right now besides his love and his grace and his mercy? I want to take about like two minutes, and I just want to pray. Uh, I want you guys to just pray. You know, we've done this before. And just pray and ask God to, to calm your mind right now, to lay at his feet whatever you need to lay at his feet, to for, ask for forgiveness of sin, and to ask him to let you know it's going to be okay, no matter what's going on, because all of us are dealing with something. And if you're in a good place right now, thank God. If you're in a bad place right now, still thank God. Let's do that now. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you for today, for loving us, for continuing to let us praise your name, and to using a random brown guy like me to speak your truth. I pray it is your words that have come out of my mouth and not my own. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Colin is doing better. He's on breathing treatments regularly, so just to ease your minds. Uh, so we're praising God right now that he's okay. Uh, that was freaky. I'll tell you what, man, that was stinking freaky. Um, so I hope you all have been doing well. It's been a while since I've been up here. We've been, we're still continuing the weird series. Uh, uh, hopefully you haven't checked out yet and gone to spring break mode. I'm close because um, <laughs> I'm so excited that we get to go to Haiti. Um, but we're continuing the weird series. And if you remember, uh, Jesus said in Matthew 7, he says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. We were talking about how this whole weird thing about how normal isn't working. Um, because normal leads to destruction, as Jesus is telling us, but we're, being weird leads to life. And taking that off-beaten path that a lot of people don't take, but it leads to life, because we've seen what happens when we're normal, right? Frustrated, spent with energy, hurt tired our schedules are out craziness and we just don't know what to do with ourselves in fact i was in panama city um this past weekend uh hanging out with, with this thing called beach reach and i was talking to the student and i go she just starts rattling off she's involved with 10 different organizations and i'm like what are you doing she's like well it's normal they tell us to get involved with a lot and because it'll build our resume and i go are you tired well yeah i'm just constantly going do you get sick a lot yeah do you get headaches a lot yeah and then the guy in the front seat of the van's like Dude, me too. He's like this big Hawaiian. His name's Chief. He's like, that's so me. You know what I mean? And I play football too. You know what I mean? It's like all this stuff like that. And, and, they're, and they're like, I go, so why are you doing that? I go, because that's normal. And, I, and I, I couldn't resist. I go, is normal working? And they're like, no. What are you trying to get at, pastor boy? You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and so I explained the weird series we're doing. And they're like, that sounds amazing. Normal is not working. Especially as we go into spring break, you guys are ready for it because normal hasn't been working. And when you get back, you're going to get back into normal unless you continue to be weird. Um, and so just, just like we were at Beach Reach, I want you guys to remember what, everything we've talked about, whether it's time, money, excuse me, sex, relationships, and missions. Um, I want you to remember what we've talked about, not just so that you're like, okay, I just going to be weird, but you live it out so you live for Christ. Because when you do that, and that's the only thing that remains, you will constantly be finding out how much that leads to life instead of constant stress and turmoil. Um, it doesn't mean you won't deal with that, but it means you will be able to overcome it through Christ's strength. And that, and that what we want? I don't know about you, but that's what I want daily. Um, so going back to Beach Reach, let me explain what that is since you're like, wait, what's Beach Reach? Okay, so get this. It's like evangelism on crack, yo. All right, so you show up and you get in these vans, but during the day you pass out these cards that say free van rides and free pancakes. We can't beat that until you're like, who cares? Who's going to get in a, in a van at night? That's weird, all right? What we do is we give van rides to people who are drunk or needing a ride because they don't want to drive when there's drunk drivers driving or to go from one party to another and they've been drinking. And so people are like, wait, what? You guys are Christians giving me a ride from one party to another. Right. What's the catch? Jesus loves you. Right. What's the catch? Did you know that we have pancakes tomorrow morning from 10 to 1? And every day from 10 to 1, we had free pancakes, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. They're like, what? Free food. What? It's like it just couldn't register. You're Christian. Yes. <laughs> you, 
do you know Jesus? You, you, it totally disarms people. And talk about the amazing conversations you get to have. So remind me again why you're doing this. Well, we just want to tell people about Jesus. Cool. So you get these conversations like this one guy who is completely plastered, and he's going from one party to another. And he's like, so, so I believe in Jesus? Awesome. What does that mean to you? Dude, stop interrogating me. I'm like, just kidding. I know Jesus. So what does that mean to you? He's awesome. He's bleeping awesome. Dude, we almost just got kicked out. He's awesome. Oh, my gosh. It's hilarious. The conversations are so funny. You got another guy going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jesus, that guy. Can I have pancakes? No, that's tomorrow morning. No, no, no. I want pancakes. I know, but that's tomorrow morning. But I want them now. I'm hungry. I go, you're drunk. All right. Uh, I, you're not going to remember if I fed you or not. You're right. It's so funny to have conversations. It's so fun. But then, but then here's the cool part. Here's another story that just makes you go, this is why we do it. There's this girl walking in the dark down the road, the main drag of Panama City Beach, crying. This is like Rapeville, by the way, when you're walking in the dark from one party to another. This is why they, give, they get in vans with strangers to take them from one place to another. She goes, she waves us down. Normally you're supposed to call a phone number, but... This girl was hurting. So we stopped. We throw in the van. We're like, hey, where do you need to go? Can I just, just take me to a hotel? Uh, why? What's going on? I ran out of money, didn't have enough cover to go into that party, so my friends ditched me. I was like, doesn't sound like some good friends. She's like, I know. I'm just going back to my hotel for the rest of the week. I'm going to cry. I was like, are you serious? She's like, yeah. What else am I going to do? I have no money. It's the first night, and all my friends ditched me. And if I have no money, they're not going to want to hang out with me. So we proceeded to tell her the love of Christ and just how much he can, he's, he'll never leave her, and she gave her life to Christ. Uh, I, I, I mean, stuff like that. You know what I mean? And then she comes to pancake breakfast and is full of joy. You know what I mean? Not because of pancakes, but because of Jesus. But <laughs> the pancakes helped. But the conversations you, and the relationships you build are phenomenal. Here's what's interesting, though. As I was doing this, this happened. Let's see. I got up at 4 a.m. to get to Panama City, and I was on the vans till 1 a.m. Oh, gosh. I was feeling drunk, but I wasn't. <laughs> and so, but here's, here's the commonality. As I talk to a lot of people, and, and, I, and I, I say, you know, just tell me about why you, you know, you said Jesus, yeah, you believe in Jesus, or you don't, why? You know, just tell me more about that. You don't have to, but just tell me more about that. Here's the commonality I found out. All of them said, I used, uh, not all of them, sorry, about 50%, I used to go to church. I was like, so why'd you stop? I don't know. I wish I'd still go. So I wouldn't be doing this. I'm like, are you serious? And then last week I'm on campus doing evangelism, and 75% of the people say the same exact thing. I'm like, I, I, this is something's wrong here. You used to go to church and you wish you did now? Not like you're like, oh, I'm done with that. No, you still wish you did. And I learned that the commonality of a lot of people that I'm starting to share Christ with is they've drifted away from God. They say they want to go to church, but essentially it's their relationship with God. If they had one, uh, they, I've never, I haven't got to that point to ask them that because I'm just like, what is, you know, I'm just trying to understand all this. Um, and so that's what I want to talk to you guys about tonight. I want to talk to you about drifting away, uh, when, especially when it comes to our values in Christ. When it comes to being weird with our values, uh, a lot of times drifting away is what causes us to be normal. Uh, every summer we go to the beach, right? Uh, 
Uh, my kids and I and our family go to Inglewood Beach, uh, and it's, we, it's just a great family time. Uh, this past summer, we got a chance to really uh, play some football. Like we played some, uh, like a mad, okay, I say football. Okay, let me rephrase that. When you're playing with a seven and a six-year-old uh, in the ocean, it's monkey in the middle. All right. And, it, dude, it was a serious game of monkey in the middle. Like it was heated. All right. Um, so much so that the rest of the family would leave us alone because they didn't want to get involved. And so, so we're playing, right? We're, we're playing. They're short, so they can't go super far in the ocean. But we're playing. We just keep throwing the ball. We run for it. We mess around. Blah, blah, blah. It's so much fun. Um, making everyone jealous. I know they are, even though they're not playing with us. You know, it's, it's just awesome. And then all of a sudden, after about like half an hour, we were so consumed with this game, we look up. Uh, did they ditch us? Where'd everybody go? Hey, Colin and Griffin, have you, where'd everybody go? Griffin's like, I'm like, what happened? And Colin's like, by my calculations, we. I'm, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm calculating. I'm like, no, you're not. You're pointing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, this area looks different. Yeah, there's, our family's not here. Thank you, Captain Obvious. I'm such a good parent. And, uh, <laughs> and he goes, no, they're down there. I'm like, where? He goes, all the way down there. Do you see those little dots by the trees? I recognize those trees. I was like, how did we get down here? And we're like, we drifted away. Not by choice, not because we chose to drift away, but just we were so consumed in our game that we moved away because we stopped focusing on what was in front of us and we didn't realize where we were going. And a lot of times in our faith that happens, doesn't it? Uh, sorry, I calmed Griffin down. He's okay now. He's in therapy. He'll be fine. All right. My kids all need therapy. All right. <laughs> it's because I'm their dad. What do you think? A lot of times we become normal because we've drifted away or we drift away and we don't catch ourselves before we get to a final point. And it's not like you're like, okay, all of a sudden I don't believe in God. No, 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 no. It's just you wish you continued to do what you used to do. Have you ever been there? You know what I mean? Oh, let, me, let me give you an example. Have you ever been close to God at one point in your life, but right now you kind of feel distant? And, and, and like I said, it didn't just happen. Like think about it. You didn't wake up one morning in a cold sweat going, ah, yesterday I felt God's presence. Today he's gone. It, it's usually a drift, which means it takes a little bit of time. It's not like instant. You can, you can look back and go, man, I can see how I got here when you finally realize it. Um, so let me, let me give you another explanation. A normal lifestyle is doing the motions of our values. Like, yeah, um, I value going to church, so I just go. I value, I believe in Jesus, so I believe he loves me, so I'm, I'm good to go. But I'm going to drift the rest, or I'm going to coast the rest of my Christian walk because I can't lose my salvation. Have you ever been there? You know what I'm saying? Or you've met someone who's like that? I've met a lot of people like that. And then we get this mindset that our relationship with God is on coast, and we, then we get tired of following God. It becomes a burden instead of a joy. And then we say things like, man, I'm good. I can coast. Uh, I know that my walk with God is doing great. But then we just drift. Like we drifted in the ocean, we drift, and not realizing that we've drifted away, thinking our relationship with God was good. And, when, and then we can look back and say, what happened? I don't know if you've ever been to the beach. I guess I'm full of beach examples today. And you, and you see one of those pieces of beach glass. Have you ever seen that? What do you notice about it? It's it's dull. It's not sharp. It's 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 not very vibrant in its color. Uh, it, it kind of it's it, it's very far from its original purpose. Have you ever noticed that? But through time, through the the sand, the waves, the sun hitting it, the wind, it defeat it, it kind of defeats it. Where it's like 
I'm just here. A lot of times, that's what happens to us. Um, there are several forces that wear away at our relationship with God constantly. Uh, if we let them, though, that's the thing. Uh, and it dulls the power of the convictions in our life and causes us to drift away from our values to where we look back and say, what happened? So I want to give you these five things to watch out for as we continue tonight. Um, so basically, I've called this lose your faith in five easy steps. All right. So if you're taking notes, these are the things you want to watch out for because they will cause you to drift and you won't realize it until it's too late. The first thing is blaming God. I've done this before. I mean, I could have done this when Colin was in the hospital. Have you ever done this when things are tough? God, why did you let this happen to me? Have you ever done that? Or know people who do that and they use that as an excuse to not believe in God? Why would God do that? Why would God cause my car to fail and not give me the money to fix it if he loves me so much? Have you ever been there? Or... I studied all night for this test, and I still got a D. God, you said you'd help me. I got an amen on that one. <laughs> um, or financial aid never made it in. And you're like, God, you said you'd always provide for me. What's going on? Have you ever been there? It's rough, isn't it? It's easy to blame God because you don't want to blame yourself if you messed up or blame something else, that, a different factor that had nothing to do with God. Um, here's what's interesting. Jesus warned us that storms will come. In John 16, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. He says that right there. You will have trouble. But here's how he ends it. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And so when you start blaming God, you start drifting because you start pushing away from God slowly. You might not be like, I hate you, God, because when things get good, sometimes you'll go back to praising him. So here, what's the antidote to that? What's, what's the rebuttal to that? How do you, if you notice this happening in your life, how do you fix it? Turn to James 1 for me. When you got it, say got it. I got one God, I'll take it. All right, so James 1, verses 2 through 4, talk about what it means to look at when you're going through trials, what you should do and what, how you should react. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Uh, what? So, we've heard this verse before, but I'm like, are you serious? So instead of blaming God, you're telling me to actually be happy when I'm going through crap. And I'm going through junk. And my son's in the hospital, my car breaks down. Oh, by the way, my washing machine broke this week, and we have four kids. There's dirty clothes everywhere. Oh, it's horrible. And so... You're telling me to be happy about that? Yeah, that's weird. All right? James says, consider your pure joy whenever you face trials. Here's the reason. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops what? Perseverance. Who cares? Woohoo! perseverance. I can make it through. But verse 4 talks about what perseverance is. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So... You're telling me that I've got to be happy when I go through trials so it develops perseverance so I will be complete and whole, not lacking in anything, and truly my values will honor God and follow God completely. Yes, that's what I'm telling you. It's weird, I know. It's a completely different mindset. Um, normal blames God for the bad things, but, but weird looks forward to trials. I'll bet you all, but have you ever been excited to be tested? That's weird. Some of you are like, kind of, kind of. Sometimes I'm excited because I realize it's God, but most of the time I'm like, it sucks. You know what I mean? But that's number one, blaming God, and that's the antidote. Number two, 
hanging around bad influences. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Bad company corrects, corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Spending time with people of poor character will all be, always rub off on you and not the other way around. Um, they will pull you away from God little by little until you're miles away. Now, here's the thing. This has nothing to do with if you're Christian or not Christian. It doesn't matter if they're a believer or a non-believer. It's poor character, period. Do you hang out with people who have poor character or not? Um, you see, because normal is hanging out with people who constantly tear you down. While weird hangs out with people who build you up. And, and hanging out with strong believers is extremely weird. And, but you know why? Because they're annoying. Strong believers are very annoying. You know why? They constantly encourage you. <sighs> yeah. They pray for you. Ugh. Who does that anymore? They try to bless you. Sometimes you resist. And they hold you accountable for what you believe. That's weird. Why would people do that and care about me when I'm hurting? It's Normal people don't do that. That's why we need to be weird, right? Now listen, I, for some, some of you might be taking this the wrong way. I'm not saying only hang out with believers. Hang out with people who will build you up more than you hang out with people who will tear you down. Who are you spending the most time with? And when you leave, are you getting influenced and corrupted and straying away from God, or are you pulling towards God because of your friendships? Something to think about. Number three, giving into temptation. That is a great way to, lead, to, to drift away from God. Well, duh, you're falling into sin. Yes, but so many times we think that giving into a couple temptations is not that bad because we're covered by grace. Let me read you James 1, 13 through 15. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire he is conceived, it, go, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So when you fall into temptation, verse 15 tells us what happens. It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to what? Death. Kind of sounds like the road to destruction, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like the normal life, doesn't it? And so many times, going back to number one, we blame God with this as well. Even when we fall into temptation, we're like, well, God, you say in 1 Corinthians that you will get me out of this. But God's like, listen, I don't tempt you, nor do I cause you to fall into temptation. In fact, verse 14 says, but each one is tempted when? By his own evil desire. So when you're constantly falling into falling into temptation it's because you created the temptation by your own desire isn't that interesting i've never thought that i've thought that going with james 1 uh, verses 2 to 4 that it just happens but think about what you're tempted it's the things you're struggling with that you create that own desire in your own life and how you respond is what honors god not falling into temptation not saying god caused this so i should be happy that I'm falling into temptation or that I'm dealing with temptation, but that I'm developing perseverance. Kind of an interesting catch-22. Um, let me give some more explanation for this. Um, giving to temptation, we've talked about this in previous messages for the Weird Series, but giving to temptation really causes you to drift, and if you don't deal with it, it'll be too late. And some of you are nodding your heads right now because you know that. You know what happens. Romans 3.23 says we're all guilty of sin already. 
and then you're adding more sin on it. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've already sinned. Now you're just adding on top of it by falling in temptation. Now, listen, some of you are like, Raul, I try. I just, I, I do, I really try. I fall into it. I go, I do too. It's not like you have to be perfect. But are you falling into the same sin repeatedly that's caused by your own evil desires? Are you dealing with the same sins over and over? That's something to think about. Because you see, Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden your, his face from you so that he will not hear. Every time you fall into temptation, it pushes you away from God. You've got to be careful with that. Um, the antidote for this, you're like, please tell me now. <laughs> the antidote for this, and this is cliche, but it works. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's what I want you to get out of that. Paul expresses, expresses in that verse how nothing is bigger than Christ's strength. Right? Nothing is bigger than Christ's strength. Um, so normal gives in to desires, but weird understands that nothing can overpower a follower of Christ. I'm going to say that one more time so I get some reaction. Weird understands that nothing can overpower a follower of Christ. Amen? If that doesn't excite you, you need to do a heart check. Because listen, nothing can overpower you if you're a follower of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, every athlete puts it over there. Whatever. Think about you. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Nothing can overpower you with the, through the power of Christ. No temptation. You cannot say, I can't deal with this. Yes, you can. God gives you the strength to do that. Whether that and some of you are like, listen, this is an addiction. Sometimes it takes a lot longer than just saying Philippians 4.13. Uh, go to our Pinterest page. I know I'm pumping Pinterest again. Sorry, guys. Um, but it has a lot of resources on the temptations we all deal with on a regular basis. Um, and if there's one not on there, tell me I'll find you something, and we'll make it happen. But you've got to understand that weird understands that nothing can overpower a follower of Christ. This is probably um, – this is huge in many of our lives right now. I know a lot of you who are dealing with temptations. And it's rough, guys. It is rough. But if you fight this constantly, your drifting will slow down. In fact, you'll probably pull closer. Number four. Loving the world. What? This, okay. This one I thought was like, really? Why would I, who cares about loving the world? Listen, and when, you, when you do this, you pull up the anchor in your boat, and you don't just drift. You rev up the engine and go as far away from God as possible. And I was like, I thought about that because I was like, how is that, this is more than temptation. Think about it. Things in this world are stinking awesome. Cars. Oh, I would love a Dodge Viper. You know what I mean? Video games, money, clothes, not skinny jeans, gadgets. You know, no, I'm not talking about Pinterest. <laughs> Nothing to do with Pinterest on that one, Charlie. <laughs> but things in this world are so enticing, aren't they? And it's not bad to have them. I mean, hello, YOLO, right? No, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, just kidding. First John 2.15 says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Ooh, that one hit me hard. Let me read that again. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Luke 12.34, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. If you love the world, that means you're not loving God. 
It's a direct competition. There's no both. Isn't that interesting? So what's the antidote to this? Hmm. What would be the antidote to loving the world? Obviously not loving the world, right? No. <laughs> it's actually, you can't, it's hard to do that on your own. So here's a, here's a, there's an even better way to combat this. It's being generous. Now, I, there's a really good example of that in this room, and his name's Stephen. And I want you guys to give a warm BCM welcome as he comes up and talks to us about this. Come on, Stephen. You got a fan club. Hi, everybody. It's good to be here. Uh, hey, um, hey, Rick. Um, I just wanted to, or I guess Raul asked me to talk about um, just, I guess, the idea of giving um, is a, I guess, a value that I've learned has actually helped keep me anchored to the gospel. Um, and I guess I'll just share a little backdrop of the story. I'm coming from Satellite Beach, which is a super small beach town that I'm from back at home, like two hours away from here. Um, coming from there to school um, four years ago, or I guess three and a half, whatever, um, I was kind of really shocked by all of the homeless people around here. Um, I was never used to really seeing any homeless people around where I was. Um, and to see all these people around here um, holding signs that said, um, like, I need help, um, my kids need some food, or I, uh, even a penny will help, or ex-veteran, that kind of stuff, um, it just kind of really hit me hard um, to see that I guess there were people that were not cared for, or if they were, it wasn't enough. Um, and it's always stuck out to me that Christ really cared about um, people that needed help um, physically, I guess you could say, um, with things. Um, not that he gave them things, but he provided for them um, in a way that he showed that he cared for them. Um, and so I figured there was something that I wanted to do, I guess, to help them. Um, and so I decided to start up a, a blog um, to try and see if I could feed one homeless person every day for the year. Um, it obviously failed. I'm just going to preface it with that. But um, I started seeing people around town, and I would just go pick up some McDonald's um, and just hand it to um, one of the homeless people that were hand or just hanging around, I guess. Um, and I'm not really good at talking to people when I first meet them. Um, I don't know if you notice, but I'm really kind of awkward and weird. But uh, <laughs> um, I just would, I guess, just share um, the love of Christ with them and just with some something really simple, like God loves you. Um, and I know things might be hard, and I don't know how – um, how you're pulling through it, but um, I'll just be praying for you and just give them like a handshake or a hug, depending on who they are. Um, and um, I guess I just learned um, a few things through that. Um, just first of all, that everybody's a person, um, no matter their their social status or how they look or what what their the situation they're in, um, and that God calls you to love them um, for who they are. Um, and second, just to be thankful for what you have. Um, not to be attached to everything you have because obviously it can be taken away from you very fast and they're they're a good example of that I guess but um, just to be thankful for what you do have and last um, that everybody needs the gospel no matter who they are um, that no matter what you have the gospel is the only thing that you really truly do need um, and that's most probably why I think giving helps you not drift the most is because you do see the reality of the gospel the most when you give um, I think that the, the gospel is God giving to us what we don't have um, it's salvation and it's his love um, and we didn't have that before. We were all spiritually bankrupt, and he just gave us something that we didn't have. Um, and so, um, and it also reinforces, I think, inside of us why, like, when you give somebody something, it reinforces inside of you um, the fact that God gave you something. So you can see the gospel clearly in your life. Um, there's something called an indicative impairment, um, imperative, I'm sorry, and that's kind of what Christianity is. The world has something called an imperative. Um, which means you should go out and do something. Like an imperative sit statement is like sit down. 
Um, so an imperative statement to you would be go out and love. So I can tell you to do that, but anybody in the world can tell you that, Christian or not Christian. Um, and you can love somebody, or depending on what you truly think of love, but it might not do everything for them. But for you, um, Christianity is an indicative imperative, I think. And indicative means that it's an indication of what you do. Um, and so, like in First John 4.19, it's we love because God first loved us. Um, and so the imperative is we love, but the indicative is because God first loved us. Why we do it is because God loved us, and then we go out and do. We go out and love. So um, I guess just to summarize, um, you care for people because God asked you to love them, and God loves you, and that's the gospel in, in a nutshell, I guess. So I think that that kind of keeps you anchored to the faith of Christianity and reinforces the gospel in your life. So. Thank you, Stephen. Um, so how do you, how do you, what's the antidote to, to when you love the world is you, you be generous, you give. Um, that could be anything from giving to people, like Stephen does, to giving to missions, or, or to giving in a serving sense. And when I say giving, it doesn't always mean money. All right? it, it means, it could be time, like we talked about previously. Uh, it, it could be just giving of yourself and being available. Uh, but when you're generous, you realize that things are bigger than the world, and you don't love the things in the world. You love who made those things more. Um, the last one is faking it. Uh, have you ever heard the statement, fake it till you make it? <laughs> uh, man, there are times when I am tired, frustrated, uh, and hurting. And sometimes I feel like I need to keep myself feeling happy and having a face on. Have you ever done that? You know what I mean? And, it, and we fake it. Uh, and a lot of times um, this really is... This really drifts us away from God because we don't deal with the hurt and we don't let other people see our hurt. Uh, and sometimes we mask it by using Christianese. I don't know if you've ever done this. Like, hey, how are you doing? I'm, uh, man, glory be to God. Hallelujah. And you're like, okay, that, what? <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? That is, how does that mean you're doing good? I don't, I'm not sure. Or maybe you'll say something like, this is the day the Lord has made. Amen. My favorite is... Everything's okay because I'm washed in the blood. That's nasty. <laughs> that sounds weird. Imagine someone else walking by going, what? You know, and so we use, sorry. But here's what happens when we fake it. And I'm not saying those statements are always done when you're trying to fake it. I was just using those for fun. But a lot of times we do that to hide what's going on in our life. And you know what the Bible says about that? Jesus said this to the Pharisees. You praise God with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You know what I'm saying? When we fake it, we do this word. We act like this word that is really bad. I don't want to say it out loud. It's almost like a curse word. We become hypocrites. <laughs> but really, that's what happens. We act hypocritical. And isn't that what we're called a lot? And when we fake it, we're being very hypocritical. In Matthew 7.21, Jesus is clear about how serious faking it is not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven when you fake it and you're saying lord lord he's saying that you will not enter the kingdom of heaven not in a sense of when you act bad you're not going to have you lose your salvation but he's speaking there in the sense of when you fake being a christian you're not i don't know you i'm not going to let you into heaven now, okay, let me, and the other side of this is you don't walk around moping either because that's just bringing attention to yourself all the time, and that's very selfish as well. 
So you've got to, you've got to do what the antidote is for this so you don't drift away. You be real. I mean, it's so cheesy, but it, you've got to be real. And the best way to, is to help other people help you with this. You get your accountability partner. Get your mentor. Call them up. Get, get, with your, get with a group of friends or get with your life group and just say, hey, I need help. I feel like I'm being fake. Help me be real and let them ask you questions and drill you so you come out explaining the hurt so they can help you and pray for you. Um, normal says fake it till you make it. Weird says I need help. Normal says fake it till you make it. Weird says I need help. Plain and simple. Um, so to, to summarize what just happened is we've got these five things that'll, that if you watch out for, you'll notice you're drifting and you, do the, you, you try and focus back on God, it'll bring you closer to him. But what if you, you, what if you feel like, I'm good right now. How do I prevent myself from drifting away or getting into that mindset of, I'm good to go? Um, well, the prevention, there's some steps for prevention. I'm full of lists today, so sorry. Um, the prevention is uh, based on Hebrews 2.1, which says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Because if you don't focus on these things, if you don't focus on what's going on in your life and constantly evaluating your walk and anchoring yourself, you're going to drift away from your priorities time and time again, especially your relationship with God, and then your values and your convictions and all your belief will be gone. I saw it all the time in Panama City, and I see it all the time on this campus. So here's some prevention. Here's what the, thing, the three things you've got to pay attention to. Number one, pay attention to where you are. I'm here, Raul. No, not like that, all right? Um, basically, ask yourself, what are my current values? And do those, things, do those things you value bless you or God? Uh, here's a good way to test this. You can see what you value by looking at your bank account and your schedule. Uh, on Sundays, I like to sit down with my schedule in the past week and say, where did I spend the most time and did it honor God? And then I look at the next week and say, what do I need to change? The second thing you need to pay attention to is where you want to go. Um, basically saying sometimes we, all, we always desire to be closer to God. But what do you want your values to be? Where do you want to go? Where do you want your values to be? Um, direction, not intentions, determines your destination. Direction, not intentions, determines your destination. What that means is a lot of times we see these values we want to hit and we want to we go for them, but we don't go that way. <laughs> We're like, these are good intentions. I really want to do it, but I'm going to go this way. And I'm going to do everything against that. Even though I say, I really want that. I really wish I was back in church. And we drift away more and more. But your direction is actually where you, how you're going to get to your destination. I know it's simple, but you've got to do it. Um, if you're wondering, what should I be striving for? Look at the fruits of the spirit list. That's a great set of values. I mean, it's so good. Now, a lot of times people are like, well, you can't work on those. Because they're given by the Holy Spirit. You're right. But we've also said your faith produces fruit. And fruits of the Spirit are what you produce. And so in order to produce those, you've got to work at something, right? And so if you're striving for those, even though you, the Holy Spirit gives it to you, God will bless you. Because you're striving to do what He wants, not what blesses you. Remember back to the first question. Third thing, you've got to pay attention to the direction of the current. What do normal people do? And by the way, that leads to what? Tired, frustrated, busy in debt, hurt, stuff like that. And you do the opposite. Do what's weird. That's how you find out. You see where the current is and you do the opposite. So you act weird based on everything we've talked about in this series. 
Normal is drifting in your walk, and weird is anchoring your walk daily. That's what I really want you to get. A lot, normal is constantly saying, man, I wish I was back there again. I wish I was back how I used to be when I first believed in Jesus. I wish I used to be like that. And you can be if you anchor your walk daily. Remember how Jesus said, pick up your cross daily and follow me. It's not a minute by, I mean, it's not a weekly thing. It's not a yearly thing. It's a minute by minute daily thing. Um, some quick anchor points. Here's another list for you. If you want to know some anchor points to help you keep you anchored in, in, in your walk, read your Bible. Pastor Bruce talked about that last week. So important. That's why we give you so many resources. Uh, the YouVersion app is great. We've got free Bibles, free Devos. Read your Bible. It is a double-edged sword that pierces bone and marrow, which means it is constantly convicting us and showing us what we need to fix and what to work on to honor God more. Um, worship God. You're like, we're doing that tonight. Yes, but constantly focus on that, not necessarily in church or in a worship service. Worship God through when you see the sunset. Worship God in your car when you're singing to a Hillsong song. Worship God when you're praising him for something he's done in your life. Just worship God. Be involved at church. Notice I said not go to church. Uh, I said be involved. Uh, every couple that I counsel for premarital counseling has to fill out this form before I even talk to them. And the number one question that always comes up in conversation is, are you involved in serving at church? Because what I've seen with couples, whether I've counseled them or not, is the ones that are not that are just attending are struggling in their marriage 90% of the time. The ones that are serving think about other people and are constantly loving their spouse and not themselves. Really interesting. Four, pray. Duh. But don't just talk. Talk some and listen some. A lot of times we don't like doing that. Because when you listen is when your faith grows because you're expecting a word from God. Last one, last anchor point is huge, and it sums up all of this together. Make disciples. But Raul, if I'm drifting, should I be making disciples? I don't know about you all, but even when I'm drifting and I start making disciples, it pulls me back because it holds me accountable. And we're not perfect. You're never going to be good enough to make a disciple. Never. But when you're sharing Christ and you're doing life with someone to point them back to Christ, it changes everything. It puts your perspective back on God because that's who you're pointing them to, not yourself. So to wrap this up tonight, guys, I have an honest question for you. Some of you in here are drifting or have drifted. Do you care? I mean, do you even care that you're drifting or that you've drifted? I know there's been times in my walk when I didn't. I mean, do you even care? Because if you don't, none of this even matters. Why are you even talking about this? Have you got, here, here's how you know if you care or if you're drifting. Have you gotten used to shaking off whatever the Holy Spirit says to you? You know, kind of like you get feelings of conviction, but then you don't act on them. Oh, that's rough, isn't it? I do that all the time. Oh. But that's how you know if you're drifting or have drifted, and if you even care about that. Revelation 2 talks about this. It says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Jesus is talking to the church at Ephesus saying, You've forgotten what happened when you believed in me. Do you guys remember? Do you remember when you first met Jesus and you how excited you were? Man, I remember that. I was thinking awesome. Oh, I'm out of time. I wish I could go to my testimony. Um, that would take 30 minutes, though. Because <laughs> it's so awesome. Because it's like, I remember what happened. I was excited constantly, constantly, constantly telling everybody about Jesus. He's telling the church, or you forgot that. When we remember that, we repent and do the things we used to do. We go, 
I want to do that again. Okay, so Jesus is saying, repent and do that. But but I'm having, no, no, just do it. He doesn't say, do, do five anchor points to get to that. Just do it. You've got to prepare your heart by repenting, getting your soil healthy so it's ready to receive from God again, guys. Uh, maybe maybe that's needing to fast fast one me- meal a week. Maybe that's uh, getting in your room and just singing worship songs out as loud as you can. Maybe that's getting on your face all night and reading your, the word. I don't know. But you've got to prepare the soil for God to work. Because you're not preparing your heart and you're going to drift. You're going to continue drifting. You're just saying you want to be closer to God. Jeremiah 29, 12 says this. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. If you really, genuinely, sincerely want God back, guess what? He hasn't moved. He's still the rock. You've just drifted. And he tells you, the prophet through the prophet Jeremiah, if you seek me and find me, you'll find me. That's it, with all your heart. You've got to be genuine. You will find me. That's why when I when I talk to people and do evangelism and someone's like, I don't know if God's real, I go, I dare you tonight to ask him to reveal himself to you. Because of that verse. Because he will. Ooh, gives you shivers when it happens. All right. <laughs> when you do this stuff, guys, you will be finally firmly anchored. You'll be able to swim against the tide and offer living water to everyone who meets you instead of watching your values just drift away. You see, when you're weird, you're not going to have the same values. You're not going to have the same thing of sex, money, relationships, time. You're not going to have the same thing. When going on missions, I mean, that's weird. You know what I mean? Going to Haiti, a, t- a bunch of us giving up our spring to go to Haiti, paying a lot of money to go to Haiti and tell people about Jesus and to do stuff for them instead of doing stuff for ourselves and spending one-eighth of that money on myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's weird. You, won't ha- you don't have the same values as everyone else does because you know what? You know Jesus Christ. You know what he did for you, that he came down and loves you so much and lived a perfect life and yet still died a sinner's death to take all his sin upon you. Everything you've done that goes against God in the past, present, and that you will do. And then he rose from the, th- the grave three days later because he loves you and proved that he was who he said he was and conquered sin. And because of that, the sin does no longer keep us from God when we believe and confess with our mouth that we believe in him. And God raised him from the dead. And we're restored to a relationship with him. Which means we get to live in eternity. We have security for eternity in heaven. Which means we get to be in heaven forever. We also get the Holy Spirit, which is God living in us now. The power for now. Which shows how much God loves us. That he will be willing to live with us daily and guide us. Your heart, and because you know him, your heart aches for those who don't know him. Your heart is no longer tied up with the things of this world. You find meaning and purpose and identity by losing yourself in service to others. So guys, this week, next week, the rest of your life, anchor yourself. That's it. Just anchor yourself so that when you drift, you won't leave. You'll constantly be focused on the rock because you're anchored to him and not the sand that'll leave. Let's pray. Man, God, this series has been amazing. You've done incredible things. People's lives are changed. People are desiring you more. People are going closer to you, and they're not drifting away. I pray that it doesn't end tonight, especially as spring break comes. I pray that we continue this process of being weird and what that looks like so that our values do not drift away from what we want them to be. And we don't, we're not like that person who says, I wish I was doing that again. I wish, I hope this Jesus is real. I wish 
that what I knew was wrong because I'm not living that way anymore.